2: up front for
1: three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is
0: Ibi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight... Katie Russell Newland is the author of A Season with Mom, Love, Loss, and the Ultimate Baseball Adventure. She is a writer and sports enthusiast with a PhD in language and literacy from the University of Texas at Austin. A survivor of both Hodgkin's lymphoma and melanoma, she is now in remission and lives with her family in Austin, Texas. Katie's story has been featured by ESPN, People, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Condé Nast, Traveler, and The Huffington Post. All right. Welcome, Katie. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss A Season with Mom, Love, Loss, and the Ultimate Baseball Adventure with Forward by Peyton Manning, which is quite impressive.
1: (laughs) Aw, thanks, Vivi. Thank you for having me today. Of course. I love the epistolary
0: form of this memoir. It's like a memoir in letters versus a memoir in essays. And it's so great. Like there's there aren't that many books like that these days. Tell me about how you decided to do it like this. Like did you write these letters as you went on this trip or did you like sort of in retrospect take your experiences and make them into letters? Tell tell listeners the
1: whole premise of the book and how you how you pulled it off. Sure. So like you said, a season with mom is a memoir in photographs and letters um, about a journey I took to see all 30 major league baseball parks in one season. And there's one letter for each ballpark. So there's 30 letters to my mom. And I chose to write it that way because I felt like letters are an intimate language. And I wanted readers to feel like they were sort of eavesdropping on our relationship. And I did not set out to write a book when I did the journey. And it was only a few years later that I made the decision to do it. So I certainly didn't write them as I went along. I was journaling along the way and posting on Instagram some and it was sort of the my entry into social media <laughs> when I did the the journey. And one thing that a lot of readers have asked me is, did I write them in order? And I didn't. I didn't write each letter as they are in the book currently. I sort of went where the you know emotion was or the energy was, and I wrote them in all different, in a different order and, and different times. So... That's interesting. Yeah. I would have thought it
0: would have been chronological too. Wait, tell me. So first of all, how did your mom pass away? And you mentioned you were 32, I think at the time. And tell me what happened there. And then I want to hear about your own illness, which you wrote about. So, which I hope you don't mind going into. I always like hearing all the dramatic bits.
1: No, of course it was certainly the genesis of, of the book and the journey. So it's an important, an important piece. My mom and I actually had a dream to go see all 30 Major League ballparks when I was a kid. And my mom was exuberant personality. She was a go-getter. She was spontaneous. She was everything that I wasn't. And Cubs and, and baseball were the one thing that bonded us. And so I grew up in New Orleans, and we followed the Cubs because WGN televised all their games. So that was sort of our special bond that we had. And being one of six kids, it was my way into getting some attention from her. And so one summer we decided to go see the Cubs play when I was 13 and we were eating at Harry Carey's restaurant and she turned out of the blue and at the top of her lungs shouted, let's go see all the ballparks. And the whole restaurant turned. I was mortified as many 13 year olds are by their mom. (laughs) And I sort of hid Behind the menu. And but secretly, I was kind of excited and wondered, you know, are we going to be able to do this? And we started on our journey. We had seen about 10 ballparks. And unfortunately, when I was about 29, she was diagnosed with colon cancer and she passed away from that a few years later. And three years after she passed away, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and melanoma. And I think it wasn't until those two life altering experiences that I realized, why hadn't I done that dream we wanted to do, you know, life is short and facing my own mortality. I was determined to start living my life and following those dreams I had. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go and do it. And so I, I went to on the journey sort of in search of my mom and to understand my mom and process her death. And in the end, I sort of found myself and learned a lot about who I am and what I want out of life. And that's what the book is a lot about.
0: Wow. And you mentioned that when your cancer was in remission, you got a nerve disorder? It, it, so yes. tell me about Tell me what that yeah, was like. Yeah, it's
1: called Lermite's sign. And my oncologist, I remember telling me, it's like, well, this only happens in like one or 2%. And don't quote me on the percentage, but it was a very low <laughs> percentage of people who got it. And she's like, oh, you're the lucky one. And it's when radiation gets to your spinal cord. And so about three months after treatment, I was back in Austin from having lived in Houston and uh, going to MD Anderson every week. And I thought, yes, I'm going to go live my life. I'm so excited. I, I was in the middle of a PhD program. I needed to write my dissertation and three months outside of my treatment, which is the, typically the onset of Lermates, I would get this shock down my body every time I would hang my head. So You know, even my oncologist was like, yeah, not a good idea to run. Some people have sort of fallen when they, they try or, and so I wasn't really exercising. I wasn't moving and in some small way, it was a a gift. So as I try to find the gifts in every moment, even the, (laughs) the challenging ones, because I sat in my seat for, you know, three or four months and wrote my dissertation. So, but it wasn't, it wasn't fun, especially when, you know, you, you felt like, or I felt like it was time for me to go live my life. Wow. That's a
0: lot to go through at a relatively young age. I mean, you're not. And so, wh- how, why did you end up writing this? Like, why is this coming out now? What do you think it was like? Why are you ready now? Or was it just, how did it happen today?
1: Yeah, I think it happened organically. As I said, I had no intention of writing a book. And actually, I, I've always wanted to be a children's book author, and I was attending conferences with agents and editors to pitch my picture books. And I would I would tell them the story, and they'd say, "Yeah, yeah, that's cute. That's 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 a lovely story." But the story you really need to tell is the baseball story. And so it, I kept getting signs from the universe, and you know, three years after my journey, people would still reach out and write to me and it seemed like it had hit a, a note with people. And I thought, you know what? I think I need to follow the signs. And if I'd learned anything from the baseball journey, it was to get quiet, to get still, to listen to what's you know coming in from the universe. And so I taught myself how to write a proposal and went off and wrote it and found an amazing agent. And I feel like it was a really lucky. And also I feel like... I have gotten better at learning, you know, what's my next move from the baseball journey.
0: Wow. So you, and you saw an actual game at all these places, right? Because you have the, who's playing who and like the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, look at how cute,
1: like what this. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually my niece too. And she looks so similar to me. There I know. I was like, like I love-
0: you as a child or what? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Sorry. People have said, oh, "I love that picture of you as a kid." And I'm like, "That's not me." <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: So all of your chapters are centered around certain lessons that you learned from those places. So like from everything from being calm to being grateful, all of that. Tell me about like like where were those obvious to you when you started writing the chapters and which of those things do you feel like you actually still do and like incorporate in your life?
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. I I had no idea that that would be the framework that would come out. What I did was, because I had just spent seven years in a research program, I my qualitative researcher self came out, <laughs> and I sort of went back to all of the images I had taken. So I had thousands and thousands of images, and I stepped back and I looked across the data, and I started to see what themes emerged at each ballpark. And for me, I think that was important because... I was so close to the story, I needed to detach from it a little bit in order to see what was really there and and what would resonate with readers. And so that's what I did. And then the themes emerged from that sort of qualitative research look across the images. I actually selected the images first hmm. before I did any of the writing, which I thought was kind of interesting. And when I went to write the the letters, I didn't actually know what story I would use. So when I approached the writing, I I used a lot of spreadsheets and (laughs) had a big outline and plan. But when I actually went to write the letter, I let all of that go. And I was open to whatever the writing would uncover as I was in the act of writing. And so, yes, there were certain stories I knew were important in this journey. I didn't actually know where they would go in the book or when they would sort of you know, see themselves. So in that act, I just realized, and what I learned by going through the whole thing was that, and my mom was trying to teach me my whole life was just be, Katie, just be, let go and be, and be present, be in the moment. And so I think that's what the whole message of the book is. And so I thought, oh, well, that's what it is. It's these little be themes, you know, it's, you know, be in the moment and be present and, be compassionate. you know, my parents were always teaching me about compassion and giving to others. And, and so I think that's how it emerged. I certainly didn't set out for that to be the case, but that's what it became. (laughs) Wow. And what did you get your PhD in? Language and literacy in the education department. So I work with teachers who want, or students who want to become teachers. So like how to teach reading and writing to elementary kids.
0: And did you end up doing that at all?
1: I did. So after I returned from the journey, I, I went back to muT and was a clinical assistant professor there and, and did that work and loved it every second of it. But as anyone who's a teacher knows, it's a full-time job beyond nine to five. And if I were ever going to write the book, I knew I had to step away in order to do that, that work. I'm, I'm not great at boundaries and, and helping others. And so I thought, hmm. <laughs> Let me give it a shot and take some time off and do it. And and it ended up working out. So how long did it take to write the book? I actually wrote a large percentage of it during the pandemic. And so in some ways, it was a, a gift to have that time and space to be in my chair. And in other ways, it was challenging because I don't know about you, but it stifled my creativity a bit, not being in communi- community with others and talking about ideas. And that's where I generate thoughts and ideas in writing is, is talking and in connection with others. So it was an interesting space as I'm sure most authors have talked about to be, to write in the pandemic. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify.
0: a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. It's so funny, like in some ways I don't feel like much time has gone by since then, but then everyone recently I've been interviewing is like, I wrote this during the pandemic. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. I like clearly like a lot of time has passed because now I'm reading what everybody was thinking or doing then. It's kind of interesting, right? <laughs>
1: it is interesting. But and you did a lot of writing during the pandemic, right? I did.
0: Yeah, I did Your a lot, of, lot of
1: reading and, and <laughs> writing and interviewing and,
0: you know, crying know crying, and all the rest <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, it's so cool. I had a friend from college actually who this was there. I should put you in touch with him. He did the same thing. He toured all the stadiums. Oh wow! Yeah. So he's wonderful. One of my oldest friends. So I will. Did he? Did he do it in one season, or did he over I feel time? Like or? Something happened, and he had to postpone or something. I'm gonna. I don't know. I, <laughs> it was gonna be right after college. I feel like he waited. I. I have. I mean. I, Anyway, (laughs) I love that, but it was definitely a goal. So I was like, oh, great. She, she did it. So do you like to read a lot? And then if you like, what do you like to read? And did any of the books you have, you read during this time sort of like inform how you approach this book or anything like that?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think we all lean on authors for mentor texts and how we write and our ideas. Certainly, I, there was a little bit of a Brene Brown quality in, in the way I approached it, the sort of qualitative researcher part of her. I'm a huge fan, obviously, as many people are, of her and her work and, and the way she talks about relationships and compassion and how to cultivate those things in your life. And so I think there was that piece of, you know, her her work being based in qualitative research that sort of guided me in a lot of ways. I think that, you know, oftentimes any, whatever I'm reading at the time shows up in my writing. It's fascinating. It doesn't matter what it is or why I grabbed it. I don't know, but I'll start reading and it somehow shows up in in my writing, whether it was during this book or in journal entries or in social media posts, or I feel like words and authors come to you at the exact time they're supposed to. I love that. I always hope that's the case.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm just going to keep putting it out there and see what happens. (laughs) So are you going to do more books? Like what's your plan now?
1: Do you want to go back to teaching? Yeah. So I certainly want to get back into classrooms. I, my life's work has been around kids centered around children's literature and I'm actually working on a picture book. Just very exciting, which is a sort of fictionalized retelling of a season with mom Aww. about a little girl and her mom who go to the ballparks. And she's named Wrigley and you have to find out whether she strikes out or she has the follow through to, you know, see it come true. So I'm working on that, which would be a dream of mine to get back into schools with kids and reading and doing that work. And so that's going on. And then I optioned the movie rights actually to the book right when the book came out. And I feel very fortunate to be able to do that. That's exciting. And not only to option it, but that it's with Kaylee Cuoco. And she's just such an amazing actress. She's so talented. But more than that, she I, I didn't know her, obviously, prior to her reaching out. And she's just such a kind human being. And her whole team is just, they care about the world and people. And to have your, you know, it's one thing to write a you know, work a fiction that gets option, but when it's your life, it is super scary and anxiety producing, but to have Kaylee and her team and her production company, yes, Norman take it under their wing is just been such a bright light. And I'm, I'm very grateful.
0: Wow. So when you, when you said you optioned it, I thought you meant you optioned it yourself.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, she, Kaylee optioned the rights.
0: Got it. I was yes, like, oh, yeah, that's yeah.
1: interesting. I was like, do you yeah, have no. to option your own rights? I was
0: like, maybe this no, is a whole no. new thing. All right. And I was like going <laughs> oh, down gosh, like no. a whole intellectual spiral there.
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, I know nothing about the industry. I'm a first time author. This, All of this is new to me. So I wouldn't even know <laughs> how to go about doing that. But no, yes, Norman Productions, which is backed by Warner Brothers is, and Kaylee, yeah. Uh, that's Great, right. so yeah, it's really exciting. exciting. <laughs>
0: wow, that is so cool! Amazing. And so, do you have plans? Are you still going out? Like, are maybe this is a stupid question. I like don't follow sports at all anymore. Like, I was gonna say, are you going to baseball games? There are baseball games on, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, they're, okay. They're back, and like they they're didn't, back. Okay, good, great.
1: Yeah, and they're back to full capacity. My husband and I just got back from the San Diego area, and we went to the Padres game. And, you know, I talk in the book about the Padres and, you know, they have a long history of, of not really doing well. And they've, in the last two years, really, you know, built a great team and an exciting team. And so we got to go see that game. And so our, the contrast between watching a Padres game with my husband this year, compared to when I watched during my baseball journey, it was just such a stark contrast. And I think it's, it was, kind it's kind of a reminder to, to readers too, right. That like, life at, you know, in some points are challenging and, and, and difficult and, but beyond the hardship is, you know, light and an opportunity to go after your dreams. And so I I think, you know, with the Padres, they, they were so down and they were not very good. And now all of a sudden they're just, you know, fantastic. And it's, it was fun to go see an actual live game, given that we haven't been in public really much in the last year and a half.
0: Uh, I used to go to baseball games a lot as a kid. My brother was a huge Mets fan, so we were yeah. like, and I'm going to date myself here, but like, we were <laughs> huge fans of the 1986 Mets, and we would like watch the Let's Go Mets Go videos all the time. <laughs> I <It's like, laughs> loved it. I knew everybody in the on that team, and actually. When was it? A couple of years ago, maybe within the last five years. I was at an airport and I ran into Daryl Strawberry, who was on the Mets at that time. And yes. Anyway, I freaked out and I was like, "I have to go talk to him." And I don't usually talk to anybody I see who's like famous in any way. Like that's just not what I. I'm like. No. Anyway, I like went right <laughs> up to him and I was like, "Oh my god, you <laughs> were like, I loved you in 1986, and like we got our picture
1: taken." Anyway, it's so embarrassing. Uh, do you but still have that photo? Oh yes. Yeah, Oh, I love it. You'll have to send that to me. Okay, I'll send you the photo.
0: (laughs) I didn't like the photo because, like, I looked bad in the photo. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, but my arm, you know.
1: (laughs) We can find all kinds of reasons to not like our photos of ourselves, right? Ridiculous.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that was a highlight. So, yeah, there's something about being in a baseball stadium and, like, just chilling out and, like, being outside and the smells and the sounds and, you know, how rare it is that something exciting happens and like you all have to like get up. I don't know. It's just like, I, you know, I I get it. Like you can go and not even
1: watch. It's like a really great place to be. It it is. It's sort of a meditative experience. It's certainly a meditative experience for me doing the journey. And I think that, that what you're talking about with baseball, with like the sights and the sounds and and the feeling of being connected to one another. So it doesn't matter who you're sitting next to, right? You don't know when you go to the game who's gonna be surrounded. By you, And it doesn't matter your religious preferences, your political beliefs, even your team affiliation, they could be rooting for the other team. But in that moment, you feel connected to the people around you. And I think that's such a powerful thing and, and such a thing that we need right now, right, is, is to feel connected to people that are different than us. And I think baseball and music does that, right? And so I think, I think that's the appeal for me, at least, for, for being at a baseball game.
0: And what do you think your mom would say
1: now that she read the book? No, it's such a good question. She I I think she'd be super excited, but more than anything, I think she would just be proud of me. I think that she would be proud of the patience that I that I had during some really challenging times. I think she'd be proud of my persistence <laughs> in actually completing the dream. I think that you know dreams often fade over time they lose their original inspiration and life nudges us to go in a different way and i think that you know oftentimes we think that dreams can't happen but maybe they can and maybe they can be reimagined and so the dream my mom and i had certainly was not going to happen in the way in which we dreamed it but in the end you know i was able to reimagine it and I went on a journey of a lifetime, and it was bigger and better than anything I could have ever dreamt up myself. And so I think that's kind of what the message and what she would be proud of.
0: Oh, that's great. Okay, last question. What advice would you have for
1: aspiring authors? Oh, gosh, lots. <laughs> Having just sort of entered this world. One thing that I think is really important and was important for me is know your process and stick to it. And be confident in it. No, two writers I think write the same. And so, if you're someone who like writes in the morning, or if you need it to be, you know, fifty degrees in your house when you write, I have a friend, an author here who always has the scarf that she wears when she's writing. And, you know, we live in Austin, Texas. There is no need for a scarf ever in Austin, Texas, except for when we had the big freeze uh, recently. That's about the only time in the last (laughs) years I've been here that you might need a scarf. And she wears her writing scarf like every time. You know, are you someone who writes with an, an outline and then, you know, writes off of that? Are you someone who's a freak writer? And I just think that no matter what it is that you that you need to make your writing happen, just stick to it and trust in it. And, and if you trust in the process, I think magic can happen.
0: Awesome. Well, Kelly, thank you. Thanks for coming. Oh, Kelly, Katie, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no worries. You know, like the other day, I, like earlier today, I just had a call with somebody and we were trying to schedule something. I was like, well, my book's coming out in February. And they were like, We thought it was coming out in November and I was like, Oh God, you're right. I was like, I'm like, I can't even open my mouth today. Every word I say has been coming out the wrong way, but it's just going to be one of those days. So I'm sorry. Obviously I know your name. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Katie, thank you for coming on. And you know, I think your mom would be really proud of you too. I think it's amazing. I think if my kids were to do something like this, it would just, I mean, it would be mean absolutely everything to me. So I don't know.
1: Thank you. And thank you. for what you do for especially new authors, but all authors. I, I mean, I've listened to your podcast a lot and it's so great. And I have listened to some of my favorite authors on your podcast. So the idea that I would actually be talking to you right now is just such a dream. And thank you. I'm super grateful.
0: Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> have a great day.
1: Bye Zibby. Bye Kitty.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.